Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. there wasn't enough belief from the top down how digital was going to take over the behavior. Welcome to episode 13 of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails. What led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I'm your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be looking at Toys R Us. In March of 2017, Dave Brandon, CEO of Toys R Us, made a solemn announcement. After years of flirting with bankruptcy, the company had finally reached its limit. Toys R Us had been facing so much debt that it was filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and would go through a rigorous restructuring and liquidation process. The plan was relatively straightforward. Close down some locations upgrade its online sales, store renovations, and introduce AR and gaming into its retail experience. On paper, it was a great strategy to get Toys R Us back into shape and back into the hearts of millions of kids all over the world. Soon to follow was news of their progress, with articles titled, Toys R Us Finally Gets Serious About E-Commerce, praising the company for their revamp. This aggressive approach to refocus and innovate seemed to be off to a strong start. But less than a year later, Toys R Us was decimated, shuttered, and gone before they could see their bold plan pay off. Welcome to the story of Toys R Us. Created in the back of the bike shop in 1948, and out of stock by 2018. As a side note, this case study will cover the rise and fall of Toys R Us and will not discuss the re-emergence of the brand under a new name, True Kids, which occurred in January of 2019. Though Toys R Us has been around for almost a century, there are varying accounts of what the brand means to individuals, and those are often defined by generational differences. For instance, we took a poll on what sentiments the name evoked for people, adults and kids, and here were some of the interesting responses that we received from our adults. Legos, erector sets, G.I. Joes, 
Tonka trucks, Hot Wheels. These are all things I just remember going to Toys R Us and my pops letting me go down the aisle and trying to select something. It was just so much. To me, Toys R Us was the best. Growing up as a kid, you would watch cartoons Saturday morning and you would see the Toys R Us commercials. You would see Jeffrey the giraffe. You would see, oh, they're coming out with this G.I. Joe character. Oh, this new Star Wars action figure. And then you'd plead with your dad. I'd say, hey, dad, you know, take me to Toys R Us. And we'd jump in the car and we'd go and it would just be like this huge pilgrimage. And uh, that's one of my fondest memories of the store. I just remember like walking in and just there's so many different colors. There's so many different things that I would be walking around. And if there was like, you know, a kid sized like house or like fake kitchen, I would have to stop and play in it. Just being there was fun. You know, just walking through all the aisles and seeing everything, all the different dolls and stuff was like half of the fun too. Yeah, I remember my grandparents, my parents taking me there as a kid and it would it would always be a, a really special treat. Um, you couldn't just go in there for five minutes. It, it wasn't even designed that way to be in and out. And there would just be this moment of excitement and imagination and awe because there would be anything and everything you could possibly think of in there. Uh, I remember thinking I no one kid could possibly play with everything here if they lived for you know more than 100 years. I had this really beautiful dollhouse and my dad would take me to the store every other Friday after school. And I was allowed to choose any toy I wanted to add to that dollhouse. So it's just this place that I always remember looking forward to. I think that's like back then, that's where a kid could be a kid and creativity kind of really took hold. And now there's nothing like that. Uh, everything's very digital and virtual. so. Toys R Us just reminds me of fond memories of just being a kid and being creative. And now here are the responses from the kids. Tyson, where do you go buy toys? Amazon? Evan? What? Do you know what Toys R Us is? No. I think I forgot. You forgot? Boy, is it the one that, that, that you have to pick out your empty stuffed animal? Mm-hmm. No, that's Build-A-Bear. It's different. So what do you think of when I say Toys R Us? Uh, I don't know. Ryan's Toys R Do you know what Toys R Us is? Uh, no, I don't know. Obviously, there's a fair amount of variance in sentiment, but at one time, adults and kids would have probably agreed that Toys R Us was pure magic. And this magic spanned for decades. It was the most exciting thing for a child, a staple of entertainment, a supermarket of toys, and it made children of all ages giddy with glee. It was an experience, a destination, a privilege, And everybody wanted to be a Toys R Us kid. So, what happened? To understand the fall, let's begin with the spectacular rise of Toys R Us. The story starts with its founder, Charles Lazarus, returning from his service during World War II. Charles knew he wanted to get into business, but wasn't sure what he wanted to do. Many of his friends were coming back from the war and they were all going to start making babies and creating a family, which gave him an inkling that there was something to be capitalized upon there. 
After much thought, he cleverly decided to use his dad's bicycle repair shop. But rather than sell bikes, he began selling baby merchandise. Cribs, strollers, high chairs, just about anything that a baby would need. And his timing was spot on. It was an instant success. Except there was one thing. He realized that many families never came back to buy new goods for their second or third baby. Oftentimes, they reused what they already had. And so he began to incorporate some inexpensive toys to his inventory. That sent his business into the big leagues. In 1948, he launched his first store in Washington, D.C. called Children's Bargain Town. It would be later in 1957, though, when he would exit the baby business altogether and get fully into the toy business, seeing the birth of Toys R Us, the world's first big box toy store. What made it so successful was the simplicity of Charles' idea. In his words, he wanted to create a supermarket style approach to toy purchases. A stark contrast to the little mom and pop shops that were widespread at that time. And so, with the unique idea in mind, he laid out the decor for the store sturdy tile flooring, and then rows upon rows of toys stacked on top of each other. Grocery store style. It was brilliant. Keep in mind, this was also great timing, as it was during the post depression era where Americans coming out of a dark period. Now had the sense of affluence, indulgence, and consumption, making it a great time for leisure retail. Toys R Us became known as a category killer for toys, meaning they would sell products in one category and build so much volume that no one could outbeat them or outmatch them on inventory and price. The company went public in 1978 and it transformed a $500 million toy industry in 1950 to a $12 billion industry by 1990. But as the toy business was heating up, little did the company realize that there would soon be a major meltdown. In its heyday, Toys R Us had 180,000 different toys in almost 1,500 locations around the world. And despite what Disney might tell you, was the happiest place on earth. One of the many people it touched was Adam Meshkow, who was a Toys R Us kid in the 80s. He came to work for Toys R Us from 2010 to 2014 to manage their emerging technology and mobile marketing team. Yeah, I mean, the nostalgia of the brand for me, you know, growing up in the 80s, and, and rem I remember going to Toys R Us, you know, riding the bikes around the store and seeing it was just a magical experience, right? It, it, was, it was every kid's dream, right? You know, during the time period when I grew up, you know, it was the start of video games, it was the start of remote control cars, it was. You know, really kind of the, the heyday of, of the toy industry. So, you know, as a kid, it was, it was an amazing experience. I remember that experience vividly、uh, as some of the, you know, fondest memories. I, as a kid, I, I definitely had、uh, that wow toy, which was, the,、um, which was the Jeep Wrangler Power Wheel, you know, that red Jeep Wrangler. 
and there's pictures of me, you know, as a kid. That was my amazing experience. It seemed that Charles's original formula for toy buying remained successful for so many years. But as the saying goes, all good things come to an end. By 1994, after 50 years of leading the charge in selling toys, Charles stepped down as CEO, just at a time when kids' tastes were beginning to change. Those Cabbage Patch kids that were loved so much, the beloved Super Soakers and G.I. Joes were now being replaced by video games, computers, and other types of technology and screens. After enduring consecutive years of losses due to the evolving toy market, the company fell into the hands of private equity firms Bain Capital and KKR in 2005. Many have said that this was the first nail in the coffin. During that time, financiers were starting to realize that they could buy a company, sell off some assets to increase the company's cash, then convince banks and bondholders to load the company up with debt. This would allow these financiers to swim in piles of cash for themselves while leaving the company drowning in debt. I just gave a simplification of a leverage buyout, but that was eventually what occurred with Bain Capital and KKR, who had red all over their hands. But to the public and the company, however, it looked like an arrangement that would allow Toys R Us to cut costs, improve cash flow, pay interest, while making more money to pay off the debt. But this financing left it rotten at the core, as the burden put the company in a constant state of refinancing, where they found themselves paying $400 million a year just in interest payments alone. It's not known that Toys R Us, you know, was 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 very over leveraged from a debt perspective. Um, you know, when they took the company private uh, through private equity, and and um, you know that obviously didn't help them. There's a lot of retailers that today were in very good shape, even as Toys R Us was declining, that today are in very bad shape. Um, if you look at that, you know, a lot of retailers have used you know that debt as a tool for them. The problem is that it's very hard to convert that debt into, you know, into a profitable business and then take that profit and grow on it to, you know, get rid of the debt. So, um, yeah, there was definitely some issues there and they could be felt throughout the company, whether that's in my department, which was a marketing department. We drive the demand for sales, right? With a new debt structure, Toys R Us was doing so much just to stay afloat that it didn't have the ability to foresee the emergence of other players. And the market would punish them for that. At a time, two leading retail giants, Target and Walmart, began to be more competitive in their toy prices. We talked about this in the Tower Records episode, but Walmart and Target were able to price their items so much lower in hopes to drive more traffic into their stores, where they can then make up for the margins in other products. This allowed them to price out Toys R Us and drive more traffic into their superstores. The company was beleaguered at this point and its cost-cutting initiatives were so seismic, it was felt at every level. When cost becomes a priority, so much of the magic just vanishes. It was like the company took its eyes off the prize and the magic that was once Toys R Us 
was gone. They began to take every drastic measure possible. Cut the staff and put everyone on part-time with no employee incentive? Check. Cut maintenance of the store? Check. Cut marketing expenses? Check. And cut its e-commerce? Check. Stores went without maintenance. Floors collected dust. Paint began to chip. Displays were old and ragged. And as for its employees, well, when Charles was heading the company, they offered stock options, health benefits to full-time workers and cared about staff development. But now it was cutting frontline employees, stripping away incentives, which began to hurt customer service and community events. It's rare you can be focused on cost-cutting initiatives and creating a special place at the same time. It was no longer a wondrous place for kids, and they were the first to sense it. A trip down the aisle was no longer about experiencing and playing with the latest new toys. It was, ironically, like going to the grocery store to shop for vegetables. They were old, right? I mean, there's no doubt about that. Some of the stores were very run down. Not just from, like, the appearance of the store, but, I mean, the inside of the store. You know, it took uh, it took a very long time to refresh the stores. In my entire tenure there, they only did, they only did a large refresh of the store toward the end of my tenure, which was, uh, you know, whole new sections for electronics and entertainment, new signage and, th- and things like that. The real value of a Toys R Us was creating that experience the store events and the experience and the staff and the feel just did not meet the expectation of today's customer. And then there was Amazon. Everyone was feeling the wrath of Amazon from bookstores to electronic centers. It left many vulnerable, but Toys R Us was definitely hit the hardest and it felt like the backstab of the century. This is how it all went down. In 2000, Toys R Us signed a 10-year partnership with Amazon, which would allow Amazon to be their exclusive online seller of toys and baby products. Basically, they gave up all of their autonomy for ToysRUs.com and gave that to Amazon. Not only that, they paid Amazon $50 million a year, plus a percentage of sales to do that. Meanwhile, Amazon turned around and continued selling and promoting other merchants of toys and baby goods, which really didn't seem like a fair deal. This all ended in a lawsuit and set Toys R Us back immensely for lacking the foresight to take their digital efforts in-house. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In 1996, Babies R Us opened, and by 2005, Toys R Us had over $11 billion in revenue. 75% of that all came from Babies R Us. This led to a lot of intercompany rivalries, and the combination was starting to feel riddled with different power struggles, fighting for more real estate within the stores, and different cultures. In the end, even though the numbers showed the strength of Babies R Us, the toys ended up taking more store space. There are two areas where I think strategically the brand really struggled. I think the first aspect would be, for a long time, uh, Babies R Us was really the only place to buy products or essentially start that customer into the into the Babies R Us kind of umbrella, uh, into the R Us umbrella, really. And, you know, for a long time, you know, even when I first started, I think over 70% of new moms registered with Babies R Us because it was really the only place to register, right? The, there was no other place. Moms wanted, didn't know what they needed. They were overwhelmed. They wanted to go in and, you know, look and feel what type of stroller and car seat they needed. The other thing about Babies R Us is a lot of their sales come from registry where they're not actually buying. There is no price sensitivity because they're not buying that product for themselves. It's usually other people buying that product for them. So, you know, one area is they kind of, uh, you know, I think is we, we took our eye off the prize in keeping our customer and keeping that new mom with the best registry experience, both digitally, online, mobile, physical, um, across the board, where, you know, is the start of the customer journey coming into the brand. And then the other area is as we get that customer and acquire that customer into the RS brand, we know exactly when that child is going to convert into, you know, a eligible purchaser for toys. So, you know, between 18 months and, and three years old is that time period when they need to start to buy toys. And how do we convert them from a baby customer into a toy customer? And we did start to implement things like that, where we started renovating stores, what they called uh, side-by-sides and super side-by-sides, which were Babies R Us and Toys R Us in one store, you know, essentially cut in half. That's why they called them side-by-side. And we started to do that on, uh, I would say, 15% or 10% of our stores. We just definitely didn't do that across the portfolio, which we really needed to do. The slow bleeding of these events led to the ill-fated announcement in 2017 when Toys R Us filed for Chapter 11, but not without providing a glimmer of hope that it would deal with its $5 billion long-term debt and work on improving its operations. It first began with building out its e-commerce site, which fell on the lap of Adam and his team. We technically fell under e-commerce, totally separate from stores. So like the store team and the e-commerce team were two totally separate teams um, with two totally separate buying groups and merchants and marketing folks. So it it was definitely like uh, a segregated team. 
with me working, you know, in the emerging space, specifically in social media and, and mobile, I was kind of the first one that, you know, mobile is ev everywhere, right? It's in-store, it's online, it's with you on the go. So I was kind of that first crack in the system that kind of was the start of the merging between store and uh, e-commerce marketing. From promotions to e-commerce to digital and online promotions. And that too was antiquated, inefficient, and infested with errors and strange pricing discrepancies. There were definitely a lot of challenges, you know, when I first started from, you know, I can think of a hundred, but some of the challenges would be pricing challenges, right? Different pricing in store as it was online. Like today that doesn't exist, right? Today you go into a store, you buy it online, it's always the same price. But for many years, not just when I first started, but for a few years, there were price discrepancies between online and store and then mobile and making sure that, you know, our feeds were in sync and things like that. When I think of such a big brand like a Toys R Us and, you know, having 500 at the time, actually, it was like 800 stores, including the, the baby stores. And to know that our pricing wasn't in sync for the same customer that was buying online versus in store was mind blowing. To me. But it wasn't just the e-commerce. The company actually had some really great innovative ideas, but they were half baked due to the lack of capital. You know, they definitely had the right idea. I just think it was just a lack of capital expense. I worked on a project called Jeffrey's Jungle, which was a game that was built focused toward kids. It was a free game that was supposed to be used for advertising. We just didn't have enough marketing support associated with it and with the features in the game and so forth. But it was pretty cool. Um, we also built, you know, the digital version of the what we call the big book. If you're a kid, you know what it is. It's the big Christmas book that used to come, you know, after Halloween every year that kids would get in the mail and they would circle all the toys they want for Christmas. Big book was the start of holiday. So, I mean, we definitely digitized that and worked on some projects for that. I think we did it and it was exciting. I just don't think we put enough money, resources, or expenditure there because there wasn't enough belief from the top down how digital was going to take over the behavior. In March of 2018, just six months after its announcement to restructure, Toys R Us announced it would liquidate its doors in search of a buyer. But by June, it was over. It had been years of what seemed like an uphill battle, but the slow bleeding finally stopped. The company was gone. The purveyor of toys and magic in a world that was physical and tangible found itself inflexible. It was a failure to adapt, failure to innovate, failure to create new business models and incorporate technology into its user experience that caused its spectacular collapse. For the many years beginning in the 1990s, their failure to believe that the digital world would override real estate and physical stores led to their ultimate demise. Yes, they were in poor financial health, but what followed afterwards was a malaise caused by poor management, 
today we see an accelerated decline as retail brick and mortar are taking a nosedive and consumer behaviors continue to evolve. When online and mobile purchases are made so easily with the swipe of a finger, this retail apocalypse that began around 2010 is decimating retail with direct-to-consumer and other online initiatives. Also, don't forget the grim reality of COVID that has now crushed so many business models altogether. So what is the lesson here? How do businesses and physical retail reshuffle and refocus to stay relevant? Understanding consumer behavior is the key. I think we, again, I think we lost the eye on new mom. New moms were millennials. They're very different than uh, than the rest of the generations. They're very d- different than the boomer generation, which would be my parents, you know, that led to the ultimate success and growth of, of toys. So I think we lost the eye of who the new mom was, right? and that's who's buying these get, uh, these toys and, and, and baby items. So that's number one, you know, understanding your customer is the key and understanding that customer experience um, and making it seamless across digital and physical and really kind of merging those those physical and digital worlds it w- is definitely key. Uh, that's one area. I think, uh, you know, investing for the future uh, is another area. You know, you can't just look at what's working and what's not working and just invest in what we know works spending a little bit more money into that slush fund and and really finding what's resonating with the customer and winning that customer is another. I, I would say from a marketing organization standpoint, and I'll, I'll talk about this from an e-commerce standpoint, owning your own destiny from an e-commerce standpoint, and that means owning the platform, the marketing, the SKUs, the fulfillment, the freight, the distribution centers, and everything in between logistically is really key in kind of that understanding of growing that business. When you're reliant on third parties, whether it's platforms or fulfillment or things like that, you're relying on a vendor to do that. And you know, you're not really in control of your own destiny. So I think investing in that is really key when it comes to growth. Not long after Toys R Us declared that it would finally close down all of its doors, Charles Lazarus died, survived by his wife and two daughters. He was 94 years old. Although he no longer held a stake in the company, it was still so deeply embedded in his soul that he visited the headquarters in New Jersey just a year before he passed. Under his leadership, Charles had built a business that went beyond the walls of retail and lived inside the hearts and dreams of children everywhere. He was a man who had a vision of parents spending their weekend mornings celebrating their children walking up and down the aisle. And he built experiences and memories and gave the world a timeless jingle that still brings people back to a childlike state.
special thanks to Adam Meshikow for his contributions to this episode and sharing his story on the epic Toys R Us. And thank you for tuning in to this week's The Great Fail. Please make sure to visit our website at thegreatfail.com for behind-the-scene audio and video footage. If you like these episodes and want us to continue bringing you more, please subscribe to our newsletter because, well, not connecting with you would be our great fail. While you're at it, simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. The research on each episode is extensive, but none of them would be possible without the tireless efforts of researchers, writers, and reporters. They are all credited on thegreatfail.com under our show notes. Lastly, you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Great Fail Pod. And please subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes to show your support. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And remember, folks, with great failure comes great liability. Bye.